is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. White Sox Weekly, everybody. I'm Connor McKnight. Got ESPN 1000. The World Series is over. The Braves beat the Astros. And now the business of baseball, the offseason, begins. Could be a little bit of a bumpy one. Every baseball fan knows that. Of course, the collective bargaining agreement coming up to a uh, a conclusion on December 2nd. And that's going to hang over a lot of things. Uh, But I think if we talk about it out loud, we can all get through it together. And hopefully we're not missing any baseball whatsoever in 2022. We had a lot to do on the show this morning. The White Sox obviously uh, beaten by the Astros in the ALDS. Their postseason run ended early. uh, And Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, and Lucas Giolito, who started game two of that series, have both had their end of season press conferences just yesterday and the day before. Rick Hahn spoke yesterday morning right around 11 o'clock, and Lucas Giolito spoke the day before. I want to say that was in the afternoon at some point. A lot of White Sox fans uh, hit me on Twitter and in other places, too. Uh, it was fine. I, I felt fine. You just you know, hit me around, that kind of thing. Uh, looking to hear some of the latest from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn, and that's what we're here for on White Sox Weekly, bringing you the latest and greatest news from the team. So uh, during the show this morning, Obviously, the plan is I want to hear from you. You got uh, comments to make on what Rick Hahn has to say here about the offseason plan, about what you'd like to see from your White Sox. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. It's your show, as always. But we're going to step through some of this audio um, and get into the meat of some of the conversation around the White Sox and what their next couple of weeks, what their next couple of months may look like. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Oh, we're on Twitch. You can watch us. Just search at uh, ESPN 1000 on Twitch. That'll get you right there. The the uh, camera's up. You can see me if you're so inclined. It's a little early to be staring right at my mug, but you can if you want to. Tyler Aki is our producer. Hi, Tyler. Good to see you, Connor. Always. That's a great White Sox jacket, by the Thank way. Thank you. This was the Tyler's. If you're on Twitch, you're getting a. This is the puffy jacket. It's got the you know the puffy stuff on the side. It's the White Sox charities jacket. It was a giveaway, uh, and I took one that wasn't being used, and I ran it. I've been. I think I've been wearing it all day. I was in for cap all week. I think I wore it every day. It's very comfortable. Uh, Tyler, you don't know this yet, but you have two different jobs on the show this morning. We'll get into some of the news around the White Sox with the jobs Tyler has. Top job of the day. Uh, Make sure we're, we're checking out Twitter as we go here because today is deadline day for options around Major League Baseball, and for qualifying offers. I don't think anything is going to break during the show on from 9 to 10 this Saturday, like every Saturday here in the offseason. So I doubt we get some breaking news this morning about where the White Sox are. But, spoiler alert, as Rick Hahn started his press conference yesterday, he mentioned that the options that the Sox have on Cesar Hernandez, Craig Kimbrell, the pending qualifying offer to Carlos Rodon, and some other minor, uh, some other bigger rather roster moves, would not be addressed until the deadline hits, and that's today. So, unfortunately, I we won't we won't have those final decisions on whether Cesar Hernandez or Craig Kimbrell or Carlos Rodon and what, what the exact immediate future for those guys are going to be. But 
Tyler Aki, super producer extraordinaire, is going to be on Twitter and looking for those kind of things uh, all throughout the day. And if, and if that stuff pops, you know, we're going to stop whatever we're doing and, and focus in on that because those are some big moves. Now, you, you've probably seen that our own Jesse Rogers has reported, and others have as well, that the White Sox are expected to decline the $6 million option on Cesar Hernandez. But that's not been made official yet. Still no news on what the qualifying offer may or may not look like for Carlos Rodon. But as it exists now, in case you've uh, not in on the whole business of baseball kind of thing, the White Sox essentially have a, an option or a, a, a means of keeping Carlos Rodon around. The qualifying offer this year worth about $18.5 million, give or take, 18.4, 18.5. So they can extend that there. It works a little bit like the franchise tag in football. It's there. He can either accept it and he'd come back to the White Sox on that one year, $18.5 million deal, or decline it, go out to free agency. He could then still sign with the White Sox. But if he declines the qualifying offer and goes elsewhere, the White Sox get some draft pick compensation back. Now, whether that process still exists in the new CBA, is very much up for debate. And it looks like it, it, it may not be part of the new collective bargaining agreement once we get one for 2022, but those are those are the procedures that are happening there. And it, it looks like we're going to learn that probably later in the afternoon. So there's just some big question marks that we just don't quite have yet. Now, the other job Tyler's got is to remind me in the second segment, coming up here in just a little bit, we're going to debut our brand new segment, during this offseason of White Sox Weekly. It's got a slam-bang open. It's all produced by, uh, by our guy Joe McCarl and Eric Ostrowski. It's very cool. It's the news and notes segment. That's going to be uh, coming up next. Ro- White Sox made some roster moves already, and we'll step through that in that segment. But I want to get into exactly what Rick Hahn was talking about just yesterday. And, of course, you know, since it's been a while since the White Sox lost to the Astros in the ALDS, it made sense to go back through some of that series and evaluate lessons that got learned. So Rick was asked exactly that. This is White Sox general manager Rick Hahn yesterday being asked what he, the team in the front office, the coaching staff, and everybody down from the, you know, from, from Jerry to the ticket takers, what did you learn about the playoff loss? Astros were better than us for those four days, or at least three of the four. I think that's the overarching message right there uh but look we we got beat in multiple aspects of the game whether it was uh from a run prevention or run scoring standpoint defensively uh you know it wasn't up to par we were not playing championship caliber baseball over the course of the the first week of october and we paid we paid the price for it uh i think it there is there are lessons to be learned. You heard Lucas yesterday talk about the benefit of the experience and that uh, the need for the proper preparation and focus come October. Uh, you know, lessons you don't want to learn the hard way, but do come from from getting beat. I think uh, to read too much into again, you know, thirty four, thirty five, some odd innings and say we learned X as an immutable truth about this team is a little dangerous. It's a small sample. It was, a, again, a bad week. We didn't play up to our capabilities. We know there's areas we need to get better that were on display over the course of those four days, but they were also evident over the course of the six months, if you looked at it. Uh, and those are going to be the areas we, you know, Tony and his staff will seek to improve over the offseason and, and throughout spring training and 
from a personnel standpoint, we'll try to address as a front office. So those are things, those those long-term issues, the things you could maybe see coming, things like the defense, um, things like not being able to uh, cut down an opposing team's running game. Those are kind of the season-long issues that I think he may be alluding to there. And I think like a lot of teams who don't end up winning the final game of the season, there are lessons to be learned about your playoff exit, regardless of when it comes. But I, you know, I happen to agree with Rick here, and I think if you've been listening to White Sox Weekly over the last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of months, you've heard me saying something similar, that four days don't necessarily mean this is what your team was, this is what your team needs. But when you look at some of the larger issues, when you take some bigger sample sizes, you can certainly see places where the White Sox were not as good as the Astros, and in those four days did not play as well as they'd have liked. Now, one of that spots very clearly was the starting rotation. I mean, for the first two-thirds of the season, up until the point where um, I would say when Carlos Rodon went onto the IL the first time, the White Sox had the best starting five in, Ameri- in the American League and maybe in all of baseball. And even when Carlos was down and fighting his way to get back, still had a really good rotation. And all the way from number one starter to last guy out of the bullpen, the White Sox had some of the best rankings in terms of uh, bulk stats, things like wins above replacement, of any pitching staff in the American League. Yet, when the Sox hit that series against the Astros, the rotation clearly did not pitch the way it wanted to. Here's Rick Hahn. It's a great question, and I appreciate you you putting it in that context because certainly... The more removed you get from the postseason elimination, the easier it is to have sort of that full season perspective, which I think is important. Uh, obviously, those, what was it, 30, 34 and a half innings were pretty disappointing and uh, left a bitter taste in all of our mouths. Um, I don't think because of that, we should lose sight of where we are as an organization and what the future looks like. A uh, big part of that being the strength of the pitching staff uh i believe over the course of the regular season uh i believe we led the american league in in fewest earned runs allowed and we were you know led the entire all of baseball and wins above replacement for our pitchers uh but in the end over the last four days didn't show up the way that we had envisioned now is that because of a different environment in the playoffs or preparation or uh fatigue finally hitting in kicking in after going from 60 games to 162 there's there's a lot of possible explanations many of which we've spent a lot of time debating and evaluating here i think the the short answer if that's possible at this time uh is we have a great deal of faith in our pitching staff going forward but it'd be foolish of us to sit here and think there are ways for us to get better, despite as strong as it was over the course of those six months. Obviously, Ryan Tapera is a free agent. Uh, we envision Michael Kopech leaving the bullpen and joining the rotation. That creates at least two needs in the in the bullpen. Um, and uh, with Carlos as a free agent, obviously, that's a some big shoes to fill in the in the rotation, but. Uh, probably just about like every team that has World Series aspirations, we will 
look for ways to make the what we feel is a strength even stronger in terms of our rotation and bullpen. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of where the White Sox starters particularly were throughout the season and what they weren't able to do in the postseason against the Astros. Again, that's Rick Hahn. This is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Sox fans, you can get the latest team gear to rep all season long at the Chicago Sports Depot. Be sure to follow the White Sox store on Instagram for series sales and more. For store hours and information, visit whitesox.com slash depot. 312-332-3776. You want to react to some of the things Rick Hahn has said? Got some time for you in the next segment. We're also going to debut our brand new segment, the News and Notes couple of White Sox roster moves already made. We'll get back into the press conference with Rick Hahn as well. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. my jam right here secure your spot next season by locking in a 20 game ticket plan take advantage of the best prices flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason priority don't miss a second of the action for more information visit whitesox.com or call 312-674-1000 i'm connor mcknight this is white Sox weekly going through some of the big press conferences the last two days for the white Sox, setting up their plan for this offseason i told you heading into this segment that we got a brand new bit here on the show i i think we're going to keep this live through the regular season next year in 22 but it's definitely a uh you know a tent pole for the off season tyler we got some things to get to for the white Sox. some news some notes we got an open white Sox weekly now brings you live correspondence from the far realms of the baseball universe everything from seams to batteries and anything from cash considerations to dirty inning situations. Here's young Connor McKnight. <laughs> it's awesome. We've got news and notes, and we got an open for it. The White Sox made five roster moves. They outrighted right-handers Jimmy Cordero and Evan Marshall. Lefties, Jace, J- lefty rather, Jace Fry. Outfielder Brian Goodwin, all of them to Charlotte. They purchased the contract of left-handed reliever Anderson Severino from Charlotte. So, Cordero, Fry, Goodwin, and Marshall are now all free agents. And the White Sox 40-man roster move goes down to 34. Lots of space on that roster. Now, here's what it means. Cordero and Marshall, Cordero coming back from Tommy John surgery, probably ready to go for the beginning of the regular season. Evan Marshall just had or will be having Tommy John surgery. It doesn't mean that any of these guys can't be re-signed by the White Sox. And I would expect, just based on, you know, kind of how this works and, and past performance, or past behavior, rather, that Marshall and Cordero could get re-signed by the White Sox just because they've been outrighted. Doesn't mean that they're not interested. Just means that the financial situation needed to be, um, I don't know, uh, shuffled around a little bit. Um, some more news. Oh, Anderson Severino, left-handed reliever. Uh, he had a very high strikeout rate through two levels in the minors, double A and triple A, a 27.3 strikeout rate. A lot of walks early on in double A, but calmed that down. Really improved at triple A in about 16 innings and struck out a lot. So it, to keep him on the 40 man roster, he would have been a minor league free agent. Uh, he's been moved onto that 40 man roster. A couple other things. And, and this is kind of a sad note. The White Sox announced yesterday that SoxFest 2022 has been canceled. 
The release reads this way. They've made the difficult decision to cancel SoxFest 2022, the team's annual fan fest, which I love. I love seeing you all out at SoxFest. I'm bummed that this is going to be two years in a row. Unfortunately, we can't have it. Um, It was scheduled to be held in January at McCormick Place. SoxFest has been built on nearly three decades of 10,000 fans, players, and coaches and staff who come together on one roof to celebrate the White Sox. As we continue to try and predict and manage COVID-related protocols in indoor settings, we believe it's not possible to carry out the traditional experience and activities that made SoxFest special, like autographs, photos, and guest appearances. So that, I mean, it's a bummer. It is. Um, we'll try and do, I'm talking with Ryan McGuire, our executive producer of White Sox stuff here, and Tyler and Eric and everybody. I think we'll try and have some sort of like, I don't know, virtual type of SoxFest here with the station. I mean, it's just, I I love SoxFest, and I want to try and do as much as we can to make it feel okay we're, we're almost back. We're getting close. But there's a lot of work yet to do to get us out of this, uh, out of this pandemic. And, and SoxFest is, as it's compromised or as, as it's you know, currently constructed, it's, it's compromised by this. So is what it is. Hey, better news, though. Uh, Southpaw, White Sox mascot Southpaw, has been inducted into the 2022 Mascot Hall of Fame. Congratulations to the biggest, greenest, and fuzziest mascot you could possibly imagine. Southpaw, congratulations. Mascot Hall of Fame. That's super cool. Uh, Hopefully you'll see him around the ballpark coming up uh, this summer. That's elite company there. Oh, it is. It's huge. Yeah. I think uh, Benny the Bull is also in that mascot Hall of Fame, I believe. Benny the Bull is legit, man. Anytime Benny gets brought up on air, I have to say this. The popcorn gag he does. Never old. Where he comes down... Every, I, it gets me every time. Never old. I think you told me that like a couple weeks ago, and you're 100% right. It gets me every time. I know what's going to happen. I watch it. The execution, the commitment, it's unparalleled. The acrobatics. In there. Oh, it's great. It's absolutely great. Southpaw does some really fun stuff on top of the dugout. Like I think I think in terms of his or its, its I, I, I apologize, its ability to be on the dugout and entertain is unparalleled in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. I think that's where mm-hmm. Southpaw excels the most. I think that's his elite skill. Um, oh, one more roster note here. The Hall of Fame announced yesterday that the Golden Days era committee will consider three former White Sox for the Hall of Fame. Minnie Minoso, Billy Pierce, and Dick Allen. Dick Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, all three should probably be in the Hall of Fame, but like the fact Dick Allen is not in the Hall of Fame is absolutely egregious. Those results will be announced December 5th, and you can be darn sure we'll be doing a whole show on each one of those guys if they get in. And even if they don't, I imagine I'm going to be yelling and screaming that Minnie and Billy and Dick Allen should all be in the Hall of Fame. Um, a little bit more to do here in the news and notes side, but I'm, I'm going to keep one for a little bit later on in the show. As you know, and as I, I started the show, we are keeping an eye on the options with Craig Kimbrell and Cesar Hernandez and the qualifying offer uh, to Carlos Rodon, as well as other uh, bookkeeping things that are deadlined today. No news yet on that side. And like I said to start the show, I don't think that we're going to be getting that news while we're live. But follow at ESPN White Sox on Twitter. For all of that news, I'm at C1 McKnight. Uh, you can follow me there as well. We'll be retweeting that and keeping you posted. Oh, by the way, if you miss any White Sox weekly shows, the ESPN Chicago app 
It's available. You download it, iPhone, Android, it doesn't matter which. It's on both. Fantastic app. You just you click it, and then the station starts playing. It's great. But you can download all the shows in case you miss it. Uh, you can podcast all of our interviews and stuff like that. We had Chris Getz on last weekend. He was a great talk about some of the White Sox minor leaguers, um, like Yoelki Cespedes, if you're into that. You can enjoy the best views of the ballpark in 2022 with an all-inclusive experience in premium seating. The guaranteed rate club and Wintrust scout seats include flexible payment plans, postseason options, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. All right, back to the pressers. And I think this I think this is the most important quote from Rick Hahn in yesterday's press conference. I think it's important because it underlines a philosophy, a, a competition philosophy, what the White Sox are willing to do, what cost they're willing to pay to win a World Series. And mark my words, every team has to pay a cost to win a World Series. Whether that be adding at the deadline, whether that be pushing guys a little bit farther than they want to go, all that kind of thing. There is a cost to winning the thing. But flags fly forever, and you pay that cost willingly. To that end, the White Sox made a couple of big, big trades at the deadline last year. Trading for Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs and giving up Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer to do it. It was a high cost. Getting Ryan Tapera cost a good arm in Connor Pilkington that, that may develop into something later on. Um, and those guys had a mixed amount of success once they came over to the White Sox. Ryan Tapera was great. Craig Kimball struggled to find it. And Cesar Hernandez just didn't hit and the defense didn't work well either, at least uh, for the bulk of his playing time with the White Sox. However... At the time, these guys were some of the best available, if you're looking at all the moves in whole, right? You can't go out and get the best second baseman and Craig Kimbrell and the next best reliever. You don't have the prospect capital to do that. But the White Sox made some informed trades, and Rick Hahn kind of reflected on the process that got them to making those deals at this year's trade deadline. Yeah, you know what, Chuck? It's a really... How long you got? Because we can go through this thing for for hours if if need be, because um, I'm of multiple minds of it. Uh, I read a book years ago. Uh, I think it was called uh, Amarillo Slim in the World of Fat People. It was about it was by Amarillo Slim Harkins, I think was his name, uh, who was a, one of the first winners of the World Series of Poker, and some point in the course of the book he was doing an interview and they said to him uh you know you've won millions of dollars in your career but you've also lost millions of dollars in your career how do you how do you deal with those losses and his answer was something to the effect of i got to look at the decisions not the results and at the time when you make the decision based on the information you had was it the right decision and our acquisitions uh, at the deadline, Tapera, Kimbrel, Cesar Hernandez um, were absolutely the right moves to make on a team that had World Series aspirations and the needs that we had. Uh, it's we don't regret being aggressive. We don't regret addressing in a what we felt were going to be impactful ways our clear needs at the time. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out. Because those moves were made with the goal of winning a World Series. You heard me talk over the course of the few months leading up in August and September when you'd asked me about an individual's performance that we acquired. 
that yeah, there was this was going on or that was going on, but really it was gonna it was about October. So if you judge it from the prism of whether it worked or not, it didn't work at the time for the 21 season. Uh, but if I look at it from the perspective of the decisions at the time they were made, they were the right decisions and we would be aggressive again. I look forward to the opportunity to feel like we have a realistic chance of winning a world series at the deadline and being aggressive in a matter to add or address whatever needs may exist on that club. Uh, from a personal level, it hurts, you know, you, you want it to work out. That's why we're, that's why we do this is to win championships. You want to feel like you're doing everything in your power to facilitate that. And when it doesn't work, you know, you feel that that's uh that's, those are things that stick with you. But in the end, it's when you look at it from the prism of, was it the right thing to do? And would we do it again? Absolutely. It's White Sox general manager, Rick Hahn. I, have been saying something similar, I guess, since the trade deadline happened and since those moves were made. I'm pretty convinced flags fly forever. Very few circumstances where a league makes you take it down. You got to push in when you've got a winner. Each one of these chances for the White Sox over the next five, six years are going to be, you know, to, to snag a phrase from one of the best baseball executives to ever do it, they're sacred. You know, you can't let it go. So you push in with what you have. You make sure you don't compromise your ability to win games in the, you know, in the immediate future. But you've got to go shore up the little places where you're not as good as you can be. Sometimes other teams have those pieces. Sometimes you got to go get them. And sometimes they're not going to work out. 312-332-3776. Got to hit a break now. We'll take Owen from Willowbrook when we come back. Lucas Giolito spoke to reporters uh, two days ago. You'll hear from him in just a bit. And you can host your group from a view like no other in the CIBC Fan Deck in 2022. It's located in center field. The Fan Deck sits above everything else, providing an expansive view of the entire field and stadium. You can look right into the DJ and Lennon DJ booth. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. Back with a couple of calls. It's White Sox Weekly. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Listen to Chicago's Home for Sports on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2, and ESPN 1000. Now, on the home of the White Sox, here's Connor McKnight. Yes, okay, totally fine. Ari and I are both fine. Um, like I said, the vaccine helps a lot. I highly recommend it. <laughs> White Sox starter Lucas Giolito. He had a press conference two days ago. He mentioned that he had COVID. He and his wife uh, are feeling much better and just fine. Sage advice from Lucas. That vaccine really helps. Um, mentioned, too, he, he was the plan was to go see the Braves and his buddy Max Freed. You know, he's the high school teammate of Max Freed. He and Jack Flaherty and Lucas, they were all in the same high school. You've heard the story before. I have to tell you again. But the plan was to go down to Game 2 of the World Series where Freed was pitching. Uh, COVID, Lucas having COVID, didn't allow them to go down then. Uh, was able to test negative and go down for Game 6 where Max pitched a lot better. Braves won the darn thing in the first place. And then uh, it was a pretty fun night, it looked like, for, for everybody involved. Really cool to see your high school friend and teammate win the World Series in person. It's uh, If you have the means, I highly recommend it. I want to get to some of Lucas's press conference in just a bit. But as always, it's your show, 312-332-3776 in Willowbrook. It's Owen. Owen, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? Hello. 
Hello, Connor. Um, hey, Connor, just a couple points. I'm I'm really going to be interested to see Kopech as a starter. I think it'll be more beneficial for him because um, the thing that I think he's going to be able to do is coming back every five days, his arm's going to be a lot stronger. Yeah. And he'll be able to bounce back quicker. But I still think he's got to develop a third pitch to go deep into a game. I mean, he, he you know, you, you saw – when he came in in the, in the playoffs against tough teams, he got hit around a little bit. Um, so I think developing that third pitch, so you're you know you're in the in the lineup, you know, for the third time, that um, I think it would be more beneficial. I'd love to see him be able to develop a, a good changeup. The other thing too is, I think we've seen the best of Mankata. You know what? For his numbers at third base, only hit 13 or 14 homers. That isn't that great. He was okay defensively. Uh, I think Abreu will bail them out on a lot of throws. I'd love to see him go back to second base and maybe go, have us look at maybe Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, you can put him in third. You can put him in the outfield. And with him in that lineup, I think it really would bolster our lineup. I, I don't know what your thoughts on something like that are, but I think he'd be a perfect fit for the White Sox in, the, in our ballpark. Oh, and appreciate you, my man. Let me do it the, uh, the first part first. Uh, Kopech is absolutely working on that third pitch and a fourth, uh, if we're being honest. Um, I, I won't, I'm not going to play this cut, but Lucas Giolito in his press conference actually met, talked about Kopech and going in the rotation and everything and said like his changeup is fine by his standards right now. I think when Michael was throwing out of the bullpen, was coming in in short relief, he cut the pitch mix down. Whether that was by design or comfortability, I, I don't know. Comfort, comfortability is not a word. Comfort, I, I don't know. Um, but he cut the pitch mix down. I think when Michael Kopech is working with fastball, slider, curveball, and change, he is a much more effective pitcher for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is that he's ridiculously talented. Kopech in the rotation makes all the sense in the world to me, but it doesn't mean it doesn't come without um, concerns, right? The innings limit is a thing, or the innings total is going to be a thing, and you'll hear Rick Hahn about that uh, in our final segment coming up in just a few minutes. As for Yoan Mankata, he is a top five third baseman. And I know that there's some disappointment about Moncada's season in 2021. I understand that. COVID got him in 2020. Period. End of story. 2019 was fantastic. But let me give you this. From 2019 to 2021, his last three seasons, including a 2020, which was only 60 games long, in which he had COVID. Yohan Mankata totaled 10.2 wins above replacement. Sixth. 5.2, sorry, I'll skip, a 10.6 walk rate. Seventh. A 358 on base percentage. Seventh. A 123 weighted runs created plus. Ninth. 13 stolen bases. Third. 6.1 bases run added. Third. 12.4 UZR. I don't love rate defensive stats, but that's one of them. He's top three. A 16.6 defensive war. Third. Yoan Mankata is a top five third baseman in baseball. And I know he does some things that are harder to see than other third basemen. I get it. But Yoan Mankata, over the last three years, has been a top five third baseman. There is no need to move him anywhere. If they do, which I think is highly unlikely, it'll be for a player like Chris Bryant, or it'll be for a player like Marcus Semyon. For is probably not, not the right word. It would be 
with the addition of those guys. More versatility is always good. And I'd like to see Yohan Mankata be able to take second base for just a little bit in a series or you know, maybe like once every other week, something like that. I think more defensive alignments are better for a ball club. But Yohan Mankata at third base is elite. He's a top five third baseman over his last three seasons. Back to Lucas Giolito real quick. I want to play, um, I want to play two cuts before we hit the break here. Lucas was asked two days ago about the idea of the White Sox essentially having the division salted away by the All-Star break and what a different situation might have done for the team. The idea of needing to play meaningful games, keep an edge, and stay alert, you know, that kind of thing, by pushing the, you know, the Guardians away or the Tigers away, you know, having a team nipping on their heels. So Lucas addressed that here. Yeah, I, I can definitely see benefits in that. Um, you know, you look at the Braves season, and they were like under 500 for, for a bit, um, and then they really turned it on. Um, They're playing very, very good baseball, kind of like on this kind of axis on the way up into the playoffs. Um, I think back to... 2019 when the Washington Nationals won the World Series it was very similar you know they they weren't playing the best in the first half and then they turned it on got really hot and, and rode that wave to the championship um well I'll definitely have my eyes on, on the moves that our division rivals will be making I, I know that um you know s- some of those teams are are looking to um get better be more competitive uh you know, a lot of those younger players um, on those teams are, are continuing to make strides, uh, kind of in the similar vein that that we did a few years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, at the same time, uh, I think that collectively, our group we, we have a, a very good mindset. Um, no matter like what's going on around us, uh, just staying focused on what we need to do, um, coming prepared to win a baseball game every single day, um, and then the experience from from playoffs this year, uh, we're we're going to learn from that and and be better and more prepared. One more from Lucas here before we hit a break and come back with more of the Rick Hahn press conference and he'll answer, Rick will, uh, some of the concerns about Michael Kopech going into the rotation. Concerns is too strong. Just some of the considerations about Kopech going into the rotation. Lucas has two years of arbitration left the coming season, 22 and then 23. And obviously there's been a lot of conversation uh, outside the team about whether there's going to be a contract extension, a long-term deal done between the White Sox and Lucas Giolito. Lucas was asked that question. Here's his answer. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm open to it. Um, for me, I'm always interested in a long-term contract, uh, something where, you know, essentially make me a, a White Sox player for life. Um, but, you know, business of baseball is the business of baseball. A lot of that's out of my hands. So, uh, for the time being, I'm I'm just going to focus on what I focus on, which is getting better, especially in the off season right now. Getting my body strong, uh, honing in and, and refining some of my uh, pitching stuff, and going out there and giving it my all for the team. Um, that's that's all I can control. You know, the the other stuff, uh, it is what it is. So contract extension certainly um, out there and considered by both sides of the organization. But like I mentioned, 
um, you know, start the show, the, the collective bargaining agreement is up December 2nd, and that's throwing some concern into where long-term negotiations like that might be able to be worked out. It's, it's just going to take time. And unfortunately, time might be one of those things. You know, a lot of players don't like to go into a season, you know, open the year on the road or something like that and be like, oh, we're still talking about a contract negotiation. I like to put that, you know, they like to table that, move forward with the season as is. So uh, we'll have to see. Lucas would certainly fit the mold of a young player. The White Sox have tried to lock up to a long-term deal for a little while here. So uh, it's, it's not out of the question, not by any stretch. The White Sox rotation will have Michael Kopech in it in 2022. Rick Hahn's going to address what that will take from Kopech and the team. You'll hear it when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly. This is ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Bring your group out to a White Sox game in 2022 and receive specially priced tickets along with great experiences. Get priority access to select the biggest matchups, choose the best space for your group, and postseason priority for 2022. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. Going through some of the big press conferences that have gone on for the White Sox over the last two days. Lucas Giolito spoke with reporters two days ago. Rick Hahn, who we'll get back to here, spoke yesterday, kind of laying the groundwork for what this 2022 offseason will look like for the White Sox as they look to win the division one more time and make it playoff appearances in three straight seasons. When we got done with the last segment, Lucas Giolito was kind of answering questions about what it would have been like to have somebody in the division kind of pushing the White Sox. He saw benefit to it, but at the same time, you got to take care of your own business. Next year, the Tigers are, are going to be better. They've got a fantastic minor league system. Spencer Torkelson is going to be a name you're hearing a lot, I think. He might make the big leagues next season. Uh, and they got a good, fun team that might get a little bit better. I don't know what the Guardians are going to do. Remember, they're the Guardians next year. But they always seem to be in the mix. They always seem to fight. They've got pitching. Uh, they got a lot of pitching is what they've got. And who knows? I, you know, the Royals could be uh, somewhat interesting. They could be a tough out. I, the, the Twins' uh, offense should be fine. We'll see what they do on the pitching side of things. But speaking of the pitching side, I, I wanted to play this, and I think it might be a huge piece of 2022. I am a big fan of Michael Kopech and the ability, the potential there. The idea is to move him into the rotation next season. Here's Rick Hahn on what that will take. And some issues that'll pop up around it. No, that's that's you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's the innings base and what can we reasonably tack on to him over the course of ideally seven months next year. Uh, we're going to have to be uh, diligent in our monitoring of him over the course of the off season, as well as as it goes through spring training and over the course of the regular season in terms of his. Uh, how the ball looks coming out of his hand, what his mechanics look like, what the data is telling us, what almost as important as anything or more important than anything, how how Michael's reporting how he feels. Uh, you're absolutely right. The kid has a world of talent. We think he's going to be a, a, a potentially dominant starter for a long time, but we are dealing with a limited innings base, and we need to build it up build it up wisely. There's, there's probably, I'm probably going to be sitting in this chair at some point next summer 
explaining why we're doing something with Michael in terms of giving him a break in order to keep him strong over the course of that season. So it's nothing uh, that we haven't dealt with before uh, in terms of building a guy out of the pen into the rotation, but it's certainly a a project that we need to uh, go into with eyes open and a good plan and and one that – has some flexibility built into it based on what we're all seeing and what Michael's reporting come next spring and summer. Yeah. So those are important things when it comes to Kopech. And I I think it's, um, you know, he'll be in the rotation. That's a done deal. Uh, But what it takes to kind of have the infrastructure around him to make sure that those innings are best used. And if he's pitching really well, which you expect he probably can, you want to make sure that he's available for the postseason, right? I mean, you, you can't, you don't want to run him up to 120. I'm just picking a number. This is a random number. 120 innings next year. And then that 120 mark hits September 5. And you're like, well, that'll do it for you. Obviously, you can't do it that way. You got to make sure that Kopex pitching in playoff starts, not just that 120 innings and then you're done. Uh, so that's a difficult thing to do. That necessitates pitching depth. And we'll see how the White Sox add around him. To say nothing of the fact that. You know, Garrett Crochet, and I won't play this cut, but Han did talk about it. I'll paraphrase some. They do still uh, grade Garrett Crochet out as a potential starter. They're still debating on whether or not, you know, what what his best path to the rotation is in 2022, whether it's a more Kopech-like workload in in next season or whether it's going down to the minors and being a starter or whether it's a hybrid of all of those things. They're still debating exactly what that might look like, uh, but it's something to consider as well, Uh, not only in terms of what it might mean for the player's development, Crochet's development, but what it would mean to a bullpen to not have Crochet if he's either starting in the bigs or starting in the minors. Something to think about. Han was also asked about the budget and whether or not he's got a number he's attached to or whether there's an expectation, I guess, set for what the team's payroll will look like in 2022. Here's that answer. I don't I don't break it down that way. Uh, I break it down more as we have X number of needs that we want to address and free agency is going to have certain options to address a certain need and and trades will have others. It's just going to be a matter of how we how we line them up. Certainly, you, you spend big on one thing via free agency. Maybe you're, it's better move to address the other need, you know, in a more cost-effective way via trade. But right now, it's just a matter of here are our needs, here are the targets. How do we go about executing on them, converting on them? So, what are some of those needs? You know, obviously, starting pitching. Uh, we'll see what happens with Carlos Rodon. No news yet on anything. No, we haven't seen anything on Carlos Rodon. Remember, the qualifying offer is due today, and so are the options on Kimbrell and Hernandez, that kind of thing. Uh, figure that breaks probably later in the afternoon. Also, um, second base. you, know, you got to figure out a second baseman. You need right field figured out. You're going to need a lot of bullpen help. Everybody does. you got to get as many arms as you can. As to the right field thing, the White Sox have two internal candidates there, and Rick Hahn addressed the immediate future of both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheet. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. Let's put it this way: uh, we feel very bullish on the futures of both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. Uh, certainly, envision them playing significant roles on multiple White Sox clubs going forward. Uh, spend some time over the course of the next few months figuring out what's the best fit for them in twenty two. Uh, certainly, you know, there could be DH possibilities for them. There could be right field possibilities for them. Uh, certainly, you know, they're both natural first basemen, and we've seen what, what 
how quickly Andrew acclimated to, to left field. So they provide us with good op- internal options and they provide us with some flexibility. And frankly, so it's too early to say exactly how they're going to be deployed come come 22. That's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. His press conference was yesterday. And, you know, the, the White Sox, as they've approached this win now era, right, this this window where you can compete for World Series, where you can take divisions and get into the playoffs, have maybe a bit of a tendency. Maybe it's something you can apply to what this offseason in 2022 may look like. And there's, there's nothing good or bad necessarily about this tendency, but Rick Hahn and his front office have gone heavy for the guy they wanted in both of the last two offseasons. That was Dallas Keuchel going into 2020, where he rewarded the team with a really good 2020. Obviously, 21 did not go the way the Keuchel and the team wanted. But they also wanted Liam Hendricks really badly in the offseason. They spent to get him, and that went exceptionally well last year. Maybe this offseason is somewhat similar, where you push in hard on one player, maybe an unexpected addition that helps solve a lot of problems. Maybe that is a guy like Marcus Semien at second base. Maybe that is that high price tag there and working around in some other areas to fill. We'll see what happens, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. We'll catalog it all here on White Sox Weekly. You can entertain your group in the CIBC Fan Box, the only luxury seat on the main concourse. Enjoy new customizable food and beverage options in 2022. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week, 9 to 10. The boys are next with the Hockey Show. I'm Connor McKnight, and you have ESPN 1000.